0: Well, good evening, uh, listeners. Good afternoon, if you're here in the sunny Seattle area today. My guest is Cindy Callahan, and we're going to be discussing, um, well, she's got an award-winning series and quite a few books out, actually. And one of the things that's exciting we're going to talk about is she will also, one of uh, her series is going to be on Amazon. So but let me play my music. Oh, by the way, this is Laura Moe, and you're listening to the Young Adult Cafe. And let me get the show started here. Good
1: evening, Cindy. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
0: Um, yeah, you're in that giant state of Delaware. So
1: uh,
0: <laughs> is that the smallest state in the Union? It is. It's smallest, but it's the first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you've got you've got all kinds of history and hauntings, which actually kind of goes along with the novel that you sent me. Um, it does. So, yeah, we can actually um, – Let's go ahead and start
1: talking about, because is this your most recent work, Sydney McKenzie Knox and Dead? Yes, yeah, so Sydney is, is my, um, Sydney McKenzie Knox and Dead came out in hardcover in 2016 and uh, 2017 and in um, paperback earlier this year. Um, okay. And it's my most recent, and it's also the first um, that's not one of what people refer to as my lost in books. I had five lost in like, books um, <clears throat> preceding. Mhm.
0: well i i thought since i loved Sydney. i thought she was adorable and you know i would have you know you're writing these for middle grade kids and i really would have enjoyed reading these at that age um you know these would have been ones that i would have traded with friends and you know giggled over and um yeah i know the aladdin simon and schuster aladdin um Series, or I've interviewed several authors who write that, and and they're all kind of tongue-in-cheek humor, and uh, which is you know it's delightful, So But give oh, me thanks. the uh, well, I know you've got some experience pitching to Hollywood because we'll talk about your Amazon series soon. But uh, yeah. so give
1: me the elevator pitch of the Sydney McKenzie knocks them dead. Sure, I'll tell you a little bit about. Um about the book's premise and then uh, an interesting story of how it kind of came to be. Um, But Mm -hmm. the book is about a a girl from Southern California named Sydney McKenzie whose family um, has some financial problems, but the good news is that um, Uncle Teddy dies and they inherit his business, which is a cemetery, and so Sydney and her family move across the country to Lower Delaware, Southern Delaware, and we in Delaware call that Lower Slower Delaware, um to run this cemetery and Sydney who loves everything sunny and frozen yogurty and California-ish is absolutely appalled that she has to leave her so cal so cool life um to live in Delaware in the winter on a cemetery. So that's that's really the premise um of the book and there's a big adventure and a mystery at the cemetery that Sydney is integral in solving.
0: Yeah, that was a great contrast between, you know, kind of the almost the valley Girls type um, existence. And all of a sudden she's in rural Delaware. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, you're in the deep depths of winter there. And, you know, instead of SoCal. Um, it kind of brought, I don't know if you've ever read, uh, it's called Six Feet Over It by Jenny Longo, Jennifer Longo. Um, it's a girl's parents run a... Um, well, it's not a cemetery, but they have a, a funeral business, so it's a kind of a similar theme. Um, okay,
1: and, I'm, not, I'm not familiar um, with
0: it. That's great. Okay. Cause it, you know, as I was reading, I thought, oh, this reminds me of Jenny's book, but uh, yeah. but not really. I mean, yours it has a whole different thread to it, and uh, I really like. Well, I don't want to give spoilers. Um, you know, I have to be very careful not to give too many spoilers, but. I like how she used the fact that her her family. Well, first she was worried about fitting in, you know, and being the most unpopular kid in town because of the the cemetery. But in a way, she found out very quickly that that actually added to her cachet. So, which yeah. was totally opposite from her
1: SoCal friends. So. Exactly. It was totally not what she expected. She thought she was going to be the freaky cemetery girl, and as mm-hmm. soon as she starts meeting people, they think it's so cool that she's the girl that lives <laughs> in the cemetery, um, which is a very pleasant surprise for her. Uh, although she doesn't think she doesn't agree with that, and she's very scared, so she has to pretend that she also thinks it's cool and that she's and that she's not afraid. And then once um, a ghost. Years, that just makes it scarier and more challenging for Sydney to, to play the cool act
0: yeah well and because Delaware is the oldest state
1: I mean there are probably more ghosts there than any of the other
0: parts of the country um,
1: yeah I don't I don't you know, know um, volume wise but we certainly do have a lot of ghost stories and I did do a decent amount of research um, uh, for the book and the the backstory of the ghost. While fictitious is is plausible um and I think that's interesting to be able to weave in um a, a little bit of history for the readers as well,
0: yeah, uh, because you have a lot of the history um of the for the underground railroad, and I know in your author's statement, you know of course she said this is fiction, but that the under some of the underground railroad incidents you know the 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 situations are true, and I wondered yeah. about the two day sleep potion. Um, is that one of the means with which, uh, some of the, the underground railroad, uh, escapes
1: were given? I, I hope I'm not giving too much away with that. No, uh, no, I don't think you are, but, um, no, okay. that was, com- that was completely made up. I, I may have looked into to see if there were some type of herbs that would do such a thing like lower the heart rate so that it would, um, mm-hmm. simulate looking like someone was dead. Um, but I don't know that that was an actual method used uh, as part of the Underground Railroad. But Delaware was a frequent stop um, on mm-hmm. on the way to New York. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know Ohio was, too. I lived in Ohio for a good number of years. And uh, there are quite a few places where, you know, the Underground Railroad was, was active. And some of those homes still exist. And, um, yeah. you know, that, I have to say, you know, kudos to the people because they risk their lives as well by helping out, yeah, uh, yep. you know, the, the free slaves and stuff. Now, yeah. the um, one of the things I enjoyed about your book was all those recipes in the back, and, um, you know, a couple of them I think, well, oh, you know, I'd like to try, that. like the, mm-hmm. the hot cocoa recipe. Is that something that you have made
1: yourself? I, um, so I actually ended up making it uh, in order to create that recipe. Um, I mean, I love hot okay. chocolate. Um, But I had never really thought about making it with buttermilk, um, and Mm -hmm. the town where they live in, uh, for your listeners, is Buttermilk River Falls, and buttermilk is actually a relevant part of the story. So I'm like, how am I going to make hot chocolate with uh, with buttermilk? So, um, you know, thus began the experimentation um, to create a recipe for that. So do you find you prefer hot chocolate made with buttermilk now? Um, well, you know, by the time you add everything else it's it 's kind of just like the richest, thickest hot chocolate you could you could imagine but um
0: mm-hmm. yeah it 's
1: wonderful it 's just not um as common an ingredient to find, so i don 't know that it 's something I do regularly um, mm-hmm. but it was interesting to make and to experiment with, but the recipes which are in that book and also in Just Add Magic are something that the age category, my middle grade girl, Target, um, it's something they love. And it's the most popular, um, one of the most popular destinations on my website. um, And Mm -hmm. I now have them on Pinterest. And um, it's it's something that the the girls and their moms and teachers really, really like to add another element to the reading experience. Well, I love like the um – the mac and cheese,
0: you know, that, man, that sounds really good. <laughs> you know, I guess I have the appetite of a 10-year-old because, you know, <laughs> right. I want to try all of these. But, uh, you know, I, you know, and, and in the colder parts of the country, this kind of, they're all kind of fairly heavy recipes, but yeah. this is how you eat in the winter when, yeah. you know, you're trying to keep warm. So... Uh, yeah. You know, I, I love that you included recipes. So you say, which other uh, was it? Just Add Magic? Does that also have? Um,
1: that it has does. Recipes yes. In it? yes. Just, okay. Just Add Magic well, yeah, has the recipes. Also. Yeah, yeah,
0: I guess it would because it's. Well, tell me a little bit about that because that um,
1: that's going to be an Amazon series.
0: So it um, is. You know
1: what? There is there is but, one so, more interesting story about Sydney McKenzie that I'd like to tell quickly, if okay, you don't mind. Okay, sure. We'll I think, do that um,
0: quickly, and then, writers, we
1: can, yeah, well, then we can switch gears. Sure. Great, because I think writers um, will be able to relate to this. So um, mm-hmm. the order that my books were published was Just Add Magic was my first in 2010, and then the five lost-in books, and then Sydney McKenzie. But interestingly, Sydney McKenzie was written second, and it was, um, it was out widely on submission after Just Add Magic to be my sophomore novel. Um, however, mm-hmm. it didn't sell at at that time, um, and it was put in my trunk and therefore referred to after as a trunk novel. Um, I think I got that expression from Patrick Crichton, um, but it, it's basically a novel that doesn't sell and is stored, um, and it was pulled mm-hmm. out uh, multiple I've times. I've got lots over. of those. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Mine is, <laughs> my, my trunk is full. Um, yeah. And it wasn't pulled out um, until years later and, uh, you know, tweaked, but not really rewritten per se, and, and then mm-hmm. published after the Lost In books, which was super exciting because I, I just love this story. And um, and then it went on very recently this past April to win the Agatha Award for um, for children's literature, which was very, mm-hmm. very exciting, It's first literary award. And I couldn't have been happier that it went to my Sydney McKenzie book because she's sat so long in a trunk just waiting for the world to read her yeah you know maybe it was the timing you know you were ahead of
0: your you were ahead of time with that book yeah 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 and you know maybe I need to go back through all my failed novels and find one that isn't as horrible as I thought it was so yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I got a lot of them so um, but anyway so just magic
1: yeah. Um, so just yeah. Was uh, was published in 2010, um, and it's now um, it's in a thir- in its third season as an Amazon original TV series, uh, streaming live streaming series. It's live action, mm-hmm. um, and it first came out in 2016, 17, 18, and so, so there's been three seasons out now um, that are based on the book. Um, the, the the series veers a little bit in a different direction, which isn't. Surprising, given that it's one novel and to build three series on on one yeah. novel has to um, draw a lot of new original content, uh, which is fantastic. Um, the show does extremely well. Um, it's very very parent liked. It's, it's very kid friendly. It's very wholesome. You know, there's no um, bad words. Um, the kids aren't obnoxious. The parents aren't you know kooky um and and there's very nice family situations um and it's probably the most frequent compliment i get is not only is it a very binge-worthy show but parents love that um it's so it's so parent likable and um, because of that uh, uh, girls and boys um at a younger age are watching it probably younger than my my readership um i did an event mm-hmm. yesterday and i was very surprised to see five- and six-year-old girls coming, and they knew every episode. Um, now, they're a little bit young to be my readers, but they're future readers. Um, right. And I thought that was really interesting to be able to get them exposed to my books before they're even able to read them. Wow, that's, you know, and that's fantastic because having a, a built-in fan base like
0: that keeps your books in print. So, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, uh, The other thing I was thinking, not just, you know, while I love them being consumers and buyers, is um, I have a something I talk about a lot, at this topic of reluctant readers and reluctant readership and when do mm-hmm. kids sort of fall off of reading. And more often, in my opinion, it's boys fall off a little bit um, more dramatically than girls. Um, Much earlier, However, yeah. you know, maybe this grabs some girls to not um, – to not fall off the reading train and, and to stay on because there's something they're excited about because they've seen the show.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, how much input do you have? I know you're the the writer of the book, but you're not a screenwriter, and essentially what you're doing is you're selling your rights to the story, and yeah. they can they can add characters and add situations that like you know, don't happen in the novel. So, do you have any? Kind of input, or are you allowed to suggest storylines, or is this, you know, basically you just sit back and hopefully they'll do the right thing?
1: Yeah, at this point, I, I sit back. Um, they've they've taken the reins in in a wonderful direction that's going very well and it's very popular. Um, in the beginning, I was much more involved. Um, and as time has gone on, it's just slowly evolved that they've, that they've taken the reins. And I think that it works, bello- works well for, for both sides. Um, we mm-hmm. still have a wonderful relationship and we connect frequently. And um, my agent is talking to them often about other projects of mine to see if they're interested in. Um, so okay. it, it works well all the way around.
0: Yeah. I mean, I
1: could see Sidney McKenzie. Uh, you know, this I could also see as
0: kind of a, a series. It's, uh, you know, it's very visual. And you said yeah, in another um, interview that I read that you know you you're you're actually you picture things in scenes now.
1: I do, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think being even though I'm not a screenwriter, I have since being involved in this, I have written a TV pilot that, that's none of my books. It's an original um, that my agent is working on selling. But um, that process of learning screenwriting and being, being part of the filming and, and being present for the pilot and seeing things um, in scenes has really helped my novel writing, um, certainly the dialogue, um, but really tighten the scenes to what are the most important elements that I need to, that I need to flesh out um, and, and take all the other stuff away. So it's been mm-hmm. really helpful in my, my, my progress um, growing as a writer. Yeah, I,
0: I'd like to do more with being able to learn from screenwriters because uh, the ones I've interviewed who do, they write for screen and narrative, they're all pretty good. They're really master storytellers, and like you said, they they get right to the core of what's important in the story. Where you know I tend to write long pages of really great descriptions that have n- nothing to do. With. I mean, it's like, okay, this is fun writing, but. You know, I'm I'm going way off in the path, so I I need some control there. But uh, you, you
1: just nail exactly on the head, and that's what it does. It really strips it down to the the most important elements.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now you had said in a in the interview um, on your website that you credit your drive as being your greatest skill as as a writer, and uh, so talk a little bit about that. About you know, I mean, you have an MBA, which proves that you have some sort of drive, you know, to be able to get through a master's degree and, and a business degree at that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I'm not. I'm. I have an MBA. I don't have an MFA, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a writer by training. I, refer, I I consider myself scrappy. You know, I've learned it. I've I've taught myself. I've taken classes part of critique groups. Um, studied the the people whose writing I like. Um. But it's my it's my drive that has been my competitive advantage. I I spend an a lot of time writing. I spend a lot of time writing crap that I rewrite, and and I and I learn from all of that. Um, but it's the drive and determination I think that is really my my competitive advantage. Well, you know that's the thing with uh,
0: you know I, I talk to writers a lot who say that you know the persistence is really yeah. got them there I mean I had to go through I have went through a hundred rejections before my novel finally got a yes yep. and most yep. people give up after 10 <laughs> I'm like yeah, 10 yeah. jump change you know you have yeah. to go through hundreds of you know doors slamming in your face and um so you know maybe yeah I, maybe that's what separates successful people from the rest of the world is that, that successful people don't they just don't take no for an answer yeah. And, uh, yeah yeah don't
1: give up and and looking for you know other other advocates um if if someone says no I, I try to figure out a different way to do it or someone else who can help um not that i want to circumvent but i want to be i want to assert myself um until it, and everything is fully explored and if i hadn't that just add magic never would have been would have been sold you know there's Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the history of how that was sold to Amazon but um my um or my original literary agent who sold Just Add Magic um she and I separated shortly thereafter mm-hmm. and that meant all the film rights uh, reverted to me and what do I need to, what do I know need blah, what do I know about film rights so um it wasn't yeah. until to a lot of people and taking the initiative and um and finally finding someone who um you know, was as passionate about the story as I was, and, and that took that that took some time. That took a lot of knocking on doors and a lot being slammed in my face. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I own for my book, and um, you know, I yeah. I would like it to be. I think it it would work. It's actually turning into a three book series, so I think it could also be a Netflix, just Amazon series. So, I guess yeah, my yeah. next step is to find a, a California agent. So. Yep. You know, and, there's,
1: and, and just
0: keep keep looking, keep knocking yeah. on doors. Yep. Yeah, make some friends down. there. I need to become friends with Reese Witherspoon, so that <laughs> she will read this and go, "Oh yes, I want to star in this film." Is there is you a role for her, to her in have. it? Have yes. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, you know, it's interesting that you said, uh, you know, you don't have an MFA, and also that you you yourself admit to having been a reluctant reader because. Most writers I know were people who hid under the covers with a flashlight and read all night to keep, you know, because they were they were loving it. But uh, but you were a reluctant reader, and yet now you are an author of many books. So um, talk about that pathway. What what actually sparked? Was it your own children, having children, that sparked you into becoming a storyteller?
1: Um no it, it goes back even even further um i, I always re- even though i wasn't a big reader um you know some encyclopedia brown but i i wasn't like you described that kid under the blanket with the flashlight um but i wrote my first masterpiece in, in third grade and it was the sequel to Greece the musical um oh, cool. and it and it was called hair oil and my third grade <laughs> class put it, my third grade class put it on um, so that was oh, wow. sort of my first exposure. Yeah, I mean, what what an amazing music teacher that would have indulged, you know, indulged my my fantasies at the time um, to help me do that. Wow, yeah. um, what a great experience! And so I always yeah. I always crafted stories, um, even though I wasn't a big reader. And that probably dropped off about um, you know about the time of, of college and then MBA and I, I went into the pharmaceutical industry and I was reading a lot more technical. Um, uh, publications and papers and um, more business publications and, and MBA type books, economics, you, know, you name it. I even did a small stint um, teaching economics at, at a university for a little while as I was sort of finding myself. Um, so really far away from creative writing. Um, and it wasn't until after several years in my career, I don't even know what the the circumstances were. I was browsing through um, Borders Borders books and music back in the day, um, and mm-hmm. picking out a, a Michael Connolly book called The Poet. And I, I like, boy, I, and at the time I had no money. You know, I could hardly make my rent. I was waitressing at night, um, so spending my waitress money on a hardcover book was like craziness. Wow, yeah. And I and I. I loved it, and I went back, and I bought every Michael Connelly book, and then I read every uh, Patricia Cornwell book, and every John Grisham book, and that, and that was kind of how my reading path went, and I fell in love with thrillers, um, and I want to tell you a little bit more about Michael Connelly in a minute, um, but that's really how I started immersing myself back into or into reading was through mysteries and thrillers. Um, and when I first started writing more seriously back in 2003, my first novel that I worked on that I still have and is in that trunk, um, is a thriller that backdrops the pharmaceutical industry, not surprisingly. Oh, oh, Um, cool. uh, and, and that was never published. But the, the second project I worked on was about a little girl who has a secret cooking club and that. Notion was inspired by my own children cooking in in my kitchen one day. Um, that I came up with the idea of, of a secret cooking club and was just manic for for you know two months until I could write the whole thing, and then of course rewrote it for two years before selling it. Um, I can't remember how we got onto this topic, but so reluctant readership. I did I did turn around, um, but it. I see it in my own family that um, my son, in particular, was was a reader as as a younger child. Captain Underpants, Dyer's Woman Be Kid, I Am Number Four, Percy Jackson. Um, but then something happens. I feel like around 10, ten, twelve, thirteen, um, that that children in general, a large percentage of them, fall off the reading the reading track, and I think that's unfortunate because I missed out on something that could have been really wonderful, um, and if I can try to help. What, just one one kid not do that, I, I think then I've succeeded.
0: Yeah, I think by the time they hit middle school, they, well, they're, you know, they're attracted to the opposite gender, and they're also involved in sports and activities, and sometimes they just don't have time. But I love it when teachers build reading time into the schedule. And, uh, you know, that the school, the, the school district where I worked, the last school district I worked, they – they were very active into getting kids reading and, you know, doing, you know, sustained silent reading in the class because reading is a, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a lifetime skill that you'll have all your life. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think it makes, I couldn't
1: agree more. makes it just make your life more whole. Yep, I yes. couldn't agree more. I, and I think it's, um, it's not just building in that time. I love it when teachers, and, and this is becoming more common now, but let students have the choice of picking mm-hmm. what they want to read. Um, right. I think one of the elements or one of the variables that contributed to me falling off the reading train was, you know, having to read Steinbeck and um, the whole the whole lot, you know, I'll never be as great a writer as John Steinbeck, so I don't want to be critical, but I, I didn't enjoy reading that as an 11-year-old. Um, you know, and had I been able to choose, maybe I wouldn't have um, fallen off.
0: Would you read The Red Pony? You had to I think remember? it was. The,
1: I think it was the Pearl.
0: Oh, the Pearl. Yeah, that's. A, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that probably the only book I would recommend for younger kids would be the Red Pony. But the Pearl, mm. I think, is probably a little higher level. You know, mm. that's more ninth grade than sixth grade. But, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know that a lot of kids. I 'cause because I used to teach, and I was a school librarian and a slash teacher, but. Uh, you know, kids would sort of zone out on uh, yeah. certain books, and at the same and, time, you know, I value. You
1: know, I was an English major in college, so I have great mm-hmm. appreciation uh, for preferred literature. Um, I'm, I'm kind yeah. of a mass of contradictions, but I, I think I enjoyed studying those works more than mm-hmm. I actually. I didn't necessarily enjoy reading them. I enjoyed the study of them, um, and there's right. a little bit of a difference.
0: Right, there's a lot of stuff like I know I had to t- I taught The Scarlet Letter which, you know, the, the kids kind of plotted their way through it. But mm-hmm. I think if you take the time to study it and mm-hmm. uh, you know, work it in with history, I think it helps make the uh the the novel more enjoyable. But yeah, it's not like beach reading, you know, the um yeah. being able to read Michael Connelly is reading for pleasure plus you learn something i mean i think he's an example of one of those authors that not only do you get a good story but you can learn a little bit you know, i feel like i learn a little bit about the law <laughs> Michael i
1: college. feel like i know i know police i could be i could be a cop i know all police i know <laughs> i love his books you know and and you know and i have an mfa but
0: i still like enjoy reading some of these popular authors so yeah. you know, they're making a lot more money than I am, but you know I there's So my, a place
1: interest for that. Connelly, my, my interesting Michael Connolly my interesting Michael Connolly trivia yeah, is that you yeah. know, he's my favorite. He, he really got me involved in, in writing. <clears throat> and um when I was at Thriller Fest, which is a huge, huge thriller um conference in New York City every summer, and he was one of the mm-hmm. speakers, um and I was listening to him and he was talking about how um Bosch um, he was going to have some exciting news soon with regard to Bosch, and mm-hmm. at that conference is when I got the call from my film agent that Just Add Magic um, had been optioned by Amazon Studios, and wow. a couple of months later, Michael Connelly spilled the news that Amazon Studios was producing Bosch, and so he and I are actually in the same studio, and we're like we're practically we're practically related, and he doesn't know that. But we we are we're, basically we're colleagues, but he doesn't know it. There you go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're
0: you're kissing cousins, so. <laughs> so one of the things you said that you—I mean, you—you um, you said you're working on. You have a YA novel and an adult thriller. I—is your YA novel is that what? What um, category is that? Is the YA? Because here's one of the things that I've found as a host for a YA show, is there's not – there aren't a lot of YA thrillers out there. So I think that that's a, a good – you know, if you could – I don't know, if you could write a YA thriller, because you obviously can write suspense, because your uh, middle grade books are all suspenseful. Um, I
1: don't know. Is is your YA book a thriller, or is it a suspense novel? Absolutely. Yeah, it, abso- it ab- absolutely right. is. It's kind of um... – Kind of like a spy thriller, if you will, that um, hmm. that takes place in in Amish country in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, it's it sort of Witness um, reimagined oh, yeah. for a younger audience with a lot of modern twists um, and, and juxtaposition with Philadelphia um, and Lancaster, which are very close to each other. Um, mm-hmm. And and I just love it. It's called Hidden. Um, and it hasn't sold uh, to date, but I do. I, I have confidence that at, at some point in my career it will.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would keep pushing that because there is a dearth of YA thrillers. I think uh, yeah. maybe only two, three. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for two years now, and I've probably only interviewed two or three thriller writers. Most of them. There's a lot of fantasy, um, some science fiction contemporary, a lot of romance, but I have, there's been very few thriller writers. I could probably count now, Would on you one put more. Allie Carter in that category? Uh, well, I've not interviewed Allie Carter, so I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, not, was, I, uh,
1: think I think of her as mm-hmm. the kind of why a thriller.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I've not read her, but uh, Okay. yeah, but there should be, you know, there should be, there need to be more of them. Um, yeah. You know, there's a I know right now the big push is for diversity, but, you know, I think Amish could be diversity. You know, mm-hmm. you're an Amish country. That's a diverse topic. Yeah. I, I don't think we have to think of diversity as just Asian or black. I think cultural, cultural diversity, I think fits in there too, because, yeah. you know, we're not, it's a, it is a totally different culture. Um, that part of the country and the, and the you know, the Amish the Amish and how they are influenced or not um, from what we call, you know, they call us the English. There are different shades of it. You know, I was uh, surprised when I lived in Ohio. First time I saw a bunch of Amish girls come into a Starbucks, I thought, Oh, I didn't know that they could drink coffee. Um, But I don't know if they were drinking coffee drinks or they, I know Starbucks has other stuff like green tea. I mean, I, you know but there was a group that used to come in all the time they were wearing their Amish garb that they would come into Starbucks and sit out on the patio and converse and you know they were like other teenagers except they were dressed in dresses and little white hats
1: so yeah you know it it it, it um there's definitely a spectrum um i think yeah. that varies by by ordening. what they call it is kind of like their their group um and right. it also varies between like Mennonites versus Amish, um, right. there, there's a lot of there's a, a lot of detail to it that um, would be important to get right. Right now, I have covered that kind of in broad strokes, which probably mm-hmm. leaves me open to open to criticism. Um, I would love if I could get an opportunity for for one of those families to open their home to me to, to stay with them for, not for an extended period of time because I don't think I don't think I have it in me. Um, but for a while, just to get a real firsthand feeling of what um, of what life is like there um, would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, I,
0: uh, another thing you, you could consider is, uh, you know, somebody who has chosen to live outside yep. of the community, you know, somebody who yep. possibly has said, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. And, you know, they, they have an interesting tradition of room springa where they are allowed to kind of go wild. And some of them don't go back after the Rumspringer, you know. They they want to infiltrate with with us, you know, uh-huh. us, us English, and uh, they yeah. like with you I, know. Yeah, I they think like, it's Yeah, it's a fascinating culture. Uh, it really I is. I, I read, uh, oh, I can't remember the author though, but I read a couple of uh, written by somebody who writes like I guess they're Amish romances, and. Huh? I don't know, I, I can't, I, I don't remember the name, but I actually kind of enjoyed it, because it gave me a, a key kind of inside that culture. Yeah. So, I don't if you can hear my cat. I don't know what he's saying. He's he's obviously trying to make comics. So, do you, you have something to say to Sandy? Hmm? <laughs> so anyway. But, yeah, you know, I would uh, pursue that, because that, that's... uh. There's one, yeah. One caveat, of course, is now that there's a, you know, a hashtag own voices. So, you know, people who are writing outside of their cultures are they're getting dinged a little bit. But you know, I, there's also something to be said for research. And you know, obviously, somebody with an MBA knows how to research. And um, you know, yeah, I,
1: and and I um I have respect for for own voices, but I'm. I want to write what I want to write. Um, mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. Like, I don't want to, you know, chasing a trend doesn't seem to be the right way to go. And if this is something that mm-hmm. I love and I feel passionate about and I can do it in a way that's respectful and, and accurate, then, right. uh, and, and people want to read it and, and it'll be good reading, then I'm not sure that it that it hurts anything. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. like you said,
0: you know, you, you're always going to have somebody check it for accuracy. I mean, you're going to run it you know, you're going to run it by somebody who knows enough about that culture to be able to say, oh, yes, this is totally accurate. So, for, you know, for credibility purposes. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, kudos to you for, for doing that. And then you also have, um, now are you currently working on this adult thriller or what, what is it you are working on right now? So uh,
1: right now um, I'm work- working on well let's see I just finished the the final copy edits for Just Add Magic Two Potion Problems mm-hmm. which comes out in August it's the sequel to the original book and oh, then gosh. in uh, 2019 I have a new book called Saltwater Secrets um, and talk about a Hollywood pitch that book is Big Little Lies for tweens um, oh, good. and that comes out in 2019 I've already gotten a lot of a lot of interest in that. Uh, in that book, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, I'm waiting for the, the edits on that as well. And in the meantime, while I'm waiting for those edits, I'm taking a stab at a boy book because uh, you know, as we oh, referred yeah. to earlier, there's um, you know reluctant readership. I think there's a huge, I also think there's a huge gap in the market um, for middle grade boys. There's there's a lot mm-hmm. more quantity available for girls than there are for boys, um, and I've wanted to tap into that for a while. So I'm working on a um, an unhaunting club um, book Jeez. that um, that will go to different local um, different local uh, locations and be challenged with debunking um, and alleged haunting. Right. Cool. So that's the, cool. that's the premise, and I'm really not that far into it. Um, the boy voice is challenging for me um -hmm. so that's something i'm really that's that's stretching me with these pro with this project so but you know
0: what that's how we grow as a writer we we try things that uh you know that are way out of our comfort zone and in a way it probably is better because we have to pay more attention to the details so yeah well cindy i have really enjoyed talking to you today and um you know i think our time went quickly and i you know wish you the best of luck on all of these projects and uh you know, I, um, I'm going to, a friend of mine is a librarian at a K through 8 school, so I'm going to give her this copy of Sydney McKenzie Knox and Dead. I think her kids will enjoy that. So, oh, great. Um,
1: I'm glad to hear it.
0: Yeah. So, Excellent. And, Thanks so you know, much
1: for having me. This has been wonderful.
0: Oh, you're, you're welcome. Thanks so much for being a guest. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully I will talk to you again soon.
1: Sounds great, Laura.
0: All righty. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, you've been uh, listening to uh, the Young Adult Cafe. Now, excuse me, I'm Laura Mo. I'd like to thank my listeners and thank Cindy Callahan for being a wonderful guest. Uh, this has been a copyrighted pod- podcast totally owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Next week, my guest is Brenda Drake. A lot of you might know her from Pitch Wars. And she also is – I'm going to be talking to her about her three-book library series, Uh, the one that I'm – I'm actually reading the first one, but she's got a third in her library series out right now. Uh, So I'm reading Steve of Lies. So anyway, until next week, this has been the Young Adult Cafe, and we will talk to you then.